Hi guys, welcome to Library Overload. This is Tavia. And this is Daniel. This is Susie. And this is Chris. Don't forget, you can check us out online at our blog, which is just libraryoverload.home.blog. And then always keep up with us on Instagram because we're posting fun shenanigans there. And we're just Library Overload there. As you can tell, we have the guys on today. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> His enthusiasm is palpable. I know. It's like, could you please calm down, Daniel? Thanks. <laughs> but just as a blanket statement, y'all, things are going to get weird. They're going to get explicit. And it's going to be nuts. But it's going to be awesome. Yes, we're very, very excited. Susie and I have been trying to work out a way to get the guys on since we started the podcast, and it just happened to work out that we could do this, and I'm just super excited about it. Because I'm excited about never excited about any episode. People should play a drinking game with how many times I say I'm excited in an episode. We'll start it. Yeah. Last week, it would have been really bad. You would have been on the floor. 20 minutes. (laughs) So, we're going to do... Some discussions today with the fellas about book-to-movie adaptations, some that we have never talked about before, and we may hit on one or two that we have, but it's been a while, so we'll give you a refresher. Yeah, there are certain books that I will never shut up about, and a couple of those are on this list. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) All right, so Daniel and Tavia are going to start us off with some very serious thoughts on Casino Royale. Yes, these thoughts have been rambling around in my brain for a couple of weeks now. Years. And Well, I mean, about the, the book specifically. And I've been really dying to get it off my chest, but I wanted to save it. We um, do need to preface this by saying that James Bond is like Daniel's most favorite. Yes, James Bond is Daniel's absolute most favorite. And he has all of the movies. He has pop figures and everything. So, Daniel wanted to watch James Bond chronologically. He has a smidge of free time right now. And so, he went online and he found what was called Bond Scholars. They were not. So, he thinks the Bond Scholars are dumb. Very. (laughs) And he wants to create his own timeline. So, I said, okay, cool. I'll read the books. You watch the movies, we can come up with our own timeline, and we can be our own Bond scholars. So that's what started this whole adventure into James Bond, okay? So I downloaded Casino Royale, which is the very first James Bond book. It's by Ian Fleming. It was published in 1955. And then we watched the movie together. (laughs) And it was fun. I hear your pregnant pauses. (laughs) I'm not pregnant. Don't tell anybody I'm pregnant. (laughs) Using it as an adjective. Yeah, don't make me start rumors. (laughs) Oh, my God. Your rumor mill has started. But, okay, so Susie and I briefly touched on this. I think think it may have been last week. I, I can't remember. But sexism and racism, even in books that were written a long time ago is just very almost a deal breaker for me. Yeah. 
I think we were talking about, you said low-key racism and one of that morgue book that you read, and that's what we were talking about. I would, like, I would like to disagree with that statement. Pride is his favorite book, and they basically sold their daughters. <laughs> this is true. I mean, he's got me on that one. But the overt sexism of James Bond was just baffling to me. Like, so everybody who is listening probably knows James Bond, a ladies' man, spy, international spy, whatever. <laughs> There's a, a line that I just had to screenshot and share with you guys because he gets partnered with a female agent in this book and he does not care for it. Beside the fact that they ended up sleeping together. Of course. You know, but he said, these blithering women who thought that they could do a man's work. Why the hell couldn't they stay at home and mind their pots and pans and stick to their frocks and gossip and leave men's work to the men? Ooh. Yeah, that's not like casual sexism. That's like... That's rampant. That's in-your-face sexism. Well, I, I can't argue with the book. It was written by a man, what, 70 years ago. I will say, though, the movies have... I won't say drastically changed, but there's a shift. Barbara Broccoli, who has been in control of the Bond universe since the uh, sometime in the 90s, is a woman, and she directs it now. The new movie coming out, uh, No Time to Die, James Bond is retired. The next 007 is a female. And, and even to go a little farther with that, when Doctor Who announced that their new doctor was a female a few years ago, and everybody freaked out. Barbara Broccoli came out and said, well, you know, you never know. The next James Bond may be a female. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I 100% agree that the movies are 10 times better. They, they have made them updated for a modern audience. So that's like the book and the movie went fairly similar, except that they updated it. Like, and so instead of fighting the Soviets in the Cold War, we're fighting just unknown terrorists and things like that. And the sexism is definitely played down in the movie. So I will give them that. I just couldn't get around it in the book. It was just like so glaring. I will say I have a caveat and this is widely discussed in the book world, but I do have a caveat when it comes to kind of sticky subjects like that. When it is an older book, like 1955, like sexism wasn't even a thought of issue because that's just how life was. Yeah. Um, it's it's more like if there's sexism and racism in current books, book that came out a couple of years ago, if you're still an asshole, like, that's where I'm like, mm, not interested in what you have to say. But when it comes to classics and things like that, like older books where they, it's not like they didn't know what they were saying, but it's more mm-hmm. of like, that was the time, that was the... That was the thing. I think it's different if we acknowledge that it's something that's there Mm -hmm. and we kind of face it, but then we also are able to still discuss a work of literature. I think it's okay. It's still just an unfortunate part of history that we all have to live with. I mean, segregation was even still a thing back then. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just a totally different time. I know. I'm very glad I don't live back then. (laughs) Me too. I would have had a rough time had I lived back then, for sure. But just for me, it was just so glaring and so 
overt. It almost took away from the story, which was pretty cool. Although I will point out, and I'm probably going get to ir- get some irritation from this too. James Bond doesn't really do anything. He play in the book. This is not the movie at all, but they changed it in the movie. He doesn't attack anybody. He doesn't beat anybody up. He just plays cards. That's it. And then he gets kidnapped. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So, Daniel, I know this has been your favorite for forever. Why is it James Bond? Why is that, like, such a big deal? Uh, I mean, as a kid watching it, I mean, he's he's a superhero that's not Superman. Yeah. He's, he's an average guy that... More relatable. More relatable. He went through training. He did what he did. He does what he does for queen and country. I mean, it's just a, it's a patriotic thing. It's somebody to look up to. He always had the cool gadgets. Always the with cars. The, the cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's dream would be to have an Aston Martin, a DB5 from James Bond, probably. DB5, Vanquish. You know, I'm, I'm not picky. <laughs> He doesn't have <laughs> just, just one of them. Just one of the nice cars and stuff. Oh, I will say the books. Uh, the the Aston Martin is not in the book that I read thus far. I'm, I am going to continue reading it because I told him I would, uh, and they're real short books. So, uh, but the Aston Martin was not in there, and that's like his his baby thing that he has, especially in Casino Royale. Uh, so I was surprised about that for sure. But this is the beginning of James Bond's story. It, you learn how he gets his double O status, and it's his first mission as a double O agent. So that was kind of neat, except I, I did not care for the book as much as I cared for the movie. That makes sense. Also, if he only plays cards in the book, like what? But he, yeah, he plays Baccarat in the game, in the book. And uh, Ian Fleming spends about one whole chapter describing the rules of Baccarat, and I still don't get it. So, yeah, I thought that was unnecessary. So they updated it to Texas Hold'em for the movies, which was cool. Interesting. But overall, I give the movie more points than I give the book, and I don't do that all that often. You're going to do that a few times today, I think. Yes, I might. (laughs) I might have some some thoughts. (laughs) Do you know why James Bond became so uh, prevalent here in the United States? If I had to guess, it was because of the hot ladies. J.F. Kennedy, they were his favorite books. Yes. The second or the third book in the series, he said, was his most favorite book of all time. And then they took off. Interesting. So the 60s is when it started here. The original Casino Royale was made in 67. Star David Niven. It was a spoof. It's not part of the. It's not part of the James Bond universe. The Broccoli's didn't have the rights to do it. Casino Royale was the one they didn't have the rights to do. They didn't get the rights until nineties, early two thousands, before they made the new Casino Royale. That's why they went backwards and did that one first as his origin story. I know Daniel that you said you were trying to figure out the actual chronological. And so I know you said Casino Royale should be the first one. What would be the next one? I'm just going off of the movies and leaving the books alone until she reads it. The next one would be Quantum of Solace just because it picks up directly behind Casino Royale. But then after that, you would fill in the other James Bond actors before you'd come back to Daniel Craig at the end. That's so weird. 
Also <laughs> weird is that they made movies that aren't books. So like they went in a different direction. So the, the movies and the books don't always coincide. And I thought that was interesting. They ran out of books. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm excited to talk about our next book to movie adaptation. Do it because you have not shut up about this book since the beginning of the year. So please. It's so good. (laughs) So I finally read Jurassic Park for the very first time. Thank God. And it is magnificent. (laughs) Is it as good as you hope? Yes. Like it was so so good like the way he kind he goes through and explains how the dna was was found how these babies were created and then how the dinosaurs were raised and it's so cool and it's so fascinating and i can't believe this book came out in 91 like it blows my mind and then so i read it technology wise Yes. I got you. Wait, yeah. the, book, the book came out in 91? Yeah, and the movie came out in 93. 93, that's amazing. Yes, so I think that Steven Spielberg somehow got his hands on the book before it was published. Because for him to be able to create that movie in two years is nuts. Agreed. It, it would have had to have been pretty quick. And that's, a, that's not a movie that looks like it was done quickly. No, not at all. No, and CGI technology and... in that movie that were like that was the first time it was mm-hmm. ever used. Like the animatronics. So we watched it just last night. Yeah. And I haven't watched it in a while. Daniel then, watched it last night as well. I that, I do not care for it, guys. I know you're shocked. That Whoa. shit holds up. It does. Yeah, it really does. Oh my god, it's so good. And in the book, they have that same scene where they stop right in front of the T-Rex gate and all the power goes out and the T-Rex gets out, crush the cars, kill, eats a person. Like, it's just like, ah, it's so good. I just, <laughs> I kept watching and be like, oh my God, they did that perfectly. Oh my God, that was in the book. It was crazy good. That movie. I saw that you gave it five stars. Five stars. It was so good. I am I'm so shocked. So mad that I waited this long to read it. Like, I wish I had read it before I ever saw the movie because it was, it would have been a killer experience. I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. So all of the, like, they did a really good adaptation version of it, though? Yes, they did. Do you, what is your favorite scene in Jurassic Park? My favorite scene in Jurassic Park, well, I don't have, I have a couple favorite ones, but my, the most iconic one, of course, is the little boy when he, you know, the power goes out. He's sitting in the, I guess in it's a Ford Jeep. Explorer. It's a Ford Explorer. Oh, sure. Yeah. The Ford Explorer. Get it together. And, the, and, of course, the water is sitting on the dash and there's that, that, that ripple that in the shit. water. It's yep. just like, okay, shit's about to go down. It's kind and, of the same with Jaws that it's that, like, two notes or two whatever, yeah. like, two yeah. seconds. And you're immediately, your heart's elevated yeah. and then like you know my my one of my favorite parts just because i hate the actor which i do not know his name the 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 fat guy off of seinfeld oh. that has, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, i don't know his got, real name either when, when his ass got ate that was my favorite <laughs> part of the movie 
because the noise that this guy makes when he gets eat is just so funny. It's like, nah! I don't know how to explain it. But like that noise. Did he you makes, do that again? Nah! You know, it's just the noise he makes that is, is crazy. amazing. Oh my God, that's amazing. But then the most epic shot in that movie is the final shot. The Tyrannosaurus? Where the, yeah, the Tyrannosaurus Rex comes in the, like, I guess... The, the lobby. The thing. lobby of the actual park itself. And is just roaring after he and, killed two raptors. And, and the sign like, is falling slowly. Oh, yeah. my God, it's so good. Daniel then, looked up that actor's name. What is his name? Was Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. That's who we don't like. That sounds made say. up, but okay. <laughs> like Batman to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> so... I will say there are a couple of things that in, that were kind of different that I did want to quickly mention. So in the book, Ian Malcolm, who is Jeff Goldblum and is a national treasure, is so obnoxious in the book. Really? Like, he's like he's like in the in the movie he's a know it all and he knows it and he keeps trying to tell them that Jurassic Park is a bad idea. We you should have never done this. But in the in the book, he's like that times ten. Ah. Uh, well, didn't you also say that the little girl was way more annoying in the oh, book as well? Oh, I hated Lex in the book so much. So she is this obnoxious tomboy in the book, and she's like she hates dinosaurs. All she wants to do is go and play ball. She coughs when there's raptors nearby like girl cut like shut your face you're gonna die and so so annoying all she does is pester her little brother who is trying to help them because he knows about dinosaurs and all that stuff and at the end of the movie she's the one that figures out the computer stuff and at the very end tim is the one that knows computers in the book so she serves literally no purpose except for to get the dinosaurs to chase them because she won't shut up. <laughs> Interesting. But she's not like that in the movie, right? No. No, she's wonderful in the movie. Well, she she's a little annoying in the movie. How is she annoying? Well, for one, like you said, she screams a lot. Well, I mean, it and, is dinosaurs. <laughs> and then she does kind of pick at her brother for being like a, kind of a dinosaur nerd. Like I did pick up on that. She was kind of kind of a butt. I just really need to know in what kind of mindset the people in the book slash movie were in that they thought bringing dinosaurs back to life was a good idea. I'll tell you. So Hammond, who is the man behind the park, he's the money guy. Is that Richard Attenborough in the movie? Yes. Yes. Uh, Excuse me. That is Sir Richard Attenborough. My bad. My bad. So in the book, he goes on this tangent because his lead doctor, like not like medical doctor, but doctorate, Dr. Henry Wu, he tries to go to Hammond when all of this shit is going down. He goes to Hammond and he's like, hey, um, I think we've made some some bad decisions. And, Hammond, sure. is, and Hammond is like, what were you going to do with your doctorate degree? Go do research? Are you going to just cure a disease? And then you're going to make medicine for it. But then the government will tell you that you can't charge as much for it as you should because insurance won't pay for it. And, of course, the people that are sick won't pay for it. So then you have this uproar on your hands. No, here at Jurassic Park, we can charge what we want to because people will pay for entertainment. 
And I'm like, oh, I don't like it. And that's how the Hunger Games began. <laughs> Wait, that was how Hammond did it in the book? Yeah, yes. in the book. So in the book, he's way more of a dick. Yeah. Because in the movie, he was saying, we're not going to charge like that. Because the lawyer wanted to charge like 10 grand. Yeah. No, in the book, Hammond is a asshole. Yeah, in the movie, he's a fantastic person. He's not fantastic. Well, not fantastic. I mean, it's really hard to make Sir Richard Attenborough into a bad guy. Because he was Santa Claus. So I just want, you know. And then the last difference <laughs> from the book to movie. Was he Santa Claus in... Uh, <laughs> Yes, oh yes. That took way too long. I was Jurassic Park focused. <laughs> yes, in the Miracle at 34th Street remake, he was Santa Claus. I loved that. Okay, so the last difference. <laughs> so in the in the book, the game warden is such a badass. In the movie, he his last words are, oh, you clever girl, which is a spectacular thing to say right before you die. But in the book, he doesn't die. He makes it. Interesting. Well, no, there was one more difference you said, too. What? That um, the, the lead guy, the guy that created Jurassic Park, what's his name in the movie? Hammond? Hammond. You said he dies. <gasps> oh, book, yeah. Yes. Hammond yeah. dies in the book. Spoiler, guys. It's it's this book is almost as old as me. So sorry. He not super Aww. old then. That's just very wrong. very super old. Okay. I, I didn't like that. What was wrong? Well, in the in the book though, Hammond dies at the end because his grandkids are playing with the audio of Cross the Park. Hammond's walking back to his lodge like, "Oh, everybody's fine now. All the dinosaurs are taken care of." Blah 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 blah. And he's walking back to his lodge, and the kids are playing with the audio and play a Tyrannosaurus roar. And it scares him so badly that he falls down a ravine, breaks his leg, can't get up, and little dinosaurs eat him. That That's amazing. in the second one, I think, to somebody. Uh, the little girl on the island. Okay, so that does happen to someone in the second one. Um, and then at the beginning of the second movie, the little girl that's bitten on the island is actually the opener of Jurassic Park, the book. Interesting. Interesting. Also, I don't know if that was a, a fitting end. I feel like he should have been eaten by the T-Rex. He should have been, but I think it's actually better that he was eaten by the tiny dinosaurs. I get that. Like, more articulated, like, maybe. It'd also be more suffering because... You know, it'd be like getting eaten by piranhas or so little. Yeah, like size of chickens. Killed him. So that was pretty exciting. It's going to take a few minutes. Yeah. 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 Well, I am really glad that you enjoyed that so much. Uh, me too. I'm so I happy. Point out for the movie that it is an early appearance of Samuel L. Jackson. Hold on to your butt. And it was before he got to use his famous tagline that I'm not allowed to say. He can say it if he wants to. She's just going to edit it out. If you want to say it, say it. I'll leave it in just, there. Just let it say, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We're fine. We're all fine. Apologize to Tavia's mom, personally. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, this is fine. It's fun. <laughs> so y'all read and watched something super interesting that I've never read and watched. 
So tell me about Molly's game. Yes, I read Molly's game because I uh, it has been on my radar for a while since back when people could go to these things called movie theaters. What is that? Movie theaters are these places where you used to be able to go and watch a movie. Instead of it being on a small screen, it would be on a really big screen. And you could have, like, snacks and stuff that were super overpriced. Thanks, (laughs) Ron. Sounds (laughs) wonderful. Yes. But last year, we saw the trailer for Molly's Game, and I thought it looked really good. And Daniel brought it up recently that it was on... Netflix. So I was like, oh, yeah, I want to watch that. And I thought it would be great to read the book and then we could watch it because that's, you know, how life works. So I read the book. We actually just watched the movie today. Actually, I watched the movie a few weeks ago, but yes. If he waits on me to watch movies, he'll never get to see them. Ever. I have a a tendency to not want to watch movies ever. I'm the same way. It takes two. It's it's like two and a half hours that I could be doing something else. You will read for 12 hours. But you yes. can't watch a half hour movie? Yes. Also, I can watch like a TV show back to back for hours. And it's totally different than committing to a movie somehow. It is different somehow, yeah. So I used to be such such a movie person. And then Susie got me more into the TV shows, but I still secretly love my movies. Like I would, I want to catch up on movies I haven't seen so bad. But I well, no. Started. Last night we watched Jurassic Park, and then we watched Jurassic Park Two, and then we started the third one before we we're like, "Ugh, Chris is snoring." Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, sometimes we'll get on a kick and we'll watch a few things, but mostly I just, I don't know. I I don't want to commit to a movie. That's the thing. Usually the movies I put on are background noise so that I can do something else. Same. But Daniel is a very huge movie buff and you could give him like one line of dialogue and he could probably tell you the name of the movie and everything you ever wanted to know about anybody who was in it. Oh, yeah. Daniel carried our trivia team one Halloween because it was all horror movies. Yeah, <laughs> those are his favorites. He's got tattoos on his arm with the horror icons on going on, but... Yeah, so uh, I'm a disappointment to him <laughs> because I don't like to watch movies so much. Major disappointment. Major. <laughs> <laughs> but we did watch Molly's Game, and I will say, again, this is an instance where I just really liked the movie better, and that's shocking. But it well, is... That, that book was written by someone who isn't an author. Yes. And he's writing about her life like a very small tidbit of her life i'm assuming yeah so it's by molly bloom and if you don't know she ran exclusive celebrity poker games in la and then into new york and ended up being indicted in an fbi investigation because she got involved with inviting the russian mafia to her poker games Um, she didn't know that they were russian mafia but because the mafia ended up getting caught, their money was at her game, so they assumed she was involved. And she was just in it for the money. Yes. So the book covers when she she was actually a an Olympic skier. She made the U.S. Olympic team. And what what, what year? Uh, she was going to go to Salt Lake. She was about my age, so yeah. The year that they were in Salt Lake, but she had an injury and she ended up not being able to go. It been like 2000-ish somewhere. Well, it would have been either 98 or 2002 would have been the Winter Olympics. She 
it would have probably been 2002 because she starts the games of uh, in LA in 2005. So okay. that makes sense because she she retires. She has an injury. She comes in like fourth place. She's like she can't ski anymore. So she's like, I need something different. Instead of going to law school, I'm going to move to LA and see what happens. Sure. Yeah. As you do. <laughs> As you do. Yes. And so she moves to LA. She ends up becoming a waitress. Bottle service waitress. A bottle service waitress, which I thought that bottle service was for alcohol that you couldn't get at a store. Like I, I thought that it was like super like Aww. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You're so <laughs> I really am. I'm very precious and innocent. I've never done a thing bad. <laughs> but I didn't realize it was just like for like Grey Goose and they just charge you $900 for it. So many hundreds of dollars. I mean, I could go buy a bottle of Grey Goose for $20. Why would I pay you $900 to bring it to me? The presentation. It's, <laughs> it's also so that you have a seat at the club. If you just go to a club, you don't get to sit down. You have to pay $900 for a bottle of Grey Goose so you can sit and drink it. And this is a, a conversation that Daniel and I have had many times, but I am not motivated by money. So I do not understand a world in which people are like this. So I think from the beginning, she came across as pretentious to me because she was constantly chasing the money. And she was always talking about how luxurious everything was and how much it cost and how expensive it was and how awesome she was. And I really just didn't care for any of that. I thought that, you know, I, I get that you're wanting, like at one point she's like, I want more power. What do you want? I want more, more power, more money. That kind of person I don't understand. She was driven in an early age by her father to be the best. So that just translated from the skiing on over to her life. And I mean, once she got a taste of it and realized what she could do, she just took off with it. Now, I will say the differences between the book and the movie. The book ends right as she's being arrested by the FBI. The movie primarily focuses on her trial with brief flashbacks to how she made it to where she made it. Interesting. Yes. And it goes into detail about her relationship with her lawyer and how he fights really hard for her. Oh, like that. I thought it like relationship. Oh. No, no, no. Oh, that's less scandalous than I wanted it. Yeah, to. that's that's the movie. The book talks about in detail how she built the games, how she ran them, what celebrities she got. She threw Toby Maguire under the bus hard. So if you watch the movie, Player X is they don't name him in the movie. They call him Player X, but and he's played by Michael Sarah, but it's supposed to be Toby Maguire. He at one point in the book, Toby Maguire says, if you want this tip, get on the table and bark like a seal and I'll give you a tip. Oh my. Yeah. She's like, no, you can keep it. Like at the point she's making thousands of dollars a game. Um, and none of it was illegal until she got into New York and the games got too big and she started taking a rake. And she only did that for six months and they caught her. She ran the game for like four or five, eight years, eight years before they caught her. And she did six months taking the rake and that's when they got her. Like she was thought, taxes and stuff. She was doing it all above board. Okay. I was going to say, I thought gambling was illegal unless you were at a casino. 
each state has different laws. Mostly if like the players are exchanging the money, like she was just hosting the event. She wasn't making anything from it. When she started taking a commission from it, basically from what the guys were playing, that's when it became illegal. And that's what they got her for. Gotcha. But the book talks a lot about her boyfriends. It talks three different boyfriends she has over the course of this thing. And it talks about what, Toby basically got tired of her and mad at her and took the game away from her in L.A. So she moves to New York and starts over and talks about how she recruits players and markets and brings in Playboy Playmates and like creates this whole world for the guys. And that's how they come to her games. But the movie is mostly about the downfall from everything, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And the movie makes her out to be a very good Samaritan kind of person. And the book doesn't touch on that any at all, hardly. Like it, the movie's like, no, I'm not going to give up any names except the names that are already named. And she doesn't seem like she comes across that way in the book. Like she, in the book, she blow bails on all of her friends. She stops volunteering at a at a hospital because she became so rich she didn't need it. Like, yeah, it's just. She, she came off as just really pretentious in the book and I just didn't care for it. It was an interesting story, but I would have preferred less of the look at this fancy airplane I'm on. It costs X number of dollars and more about like, you know, the the inner workings of the game, which is kind of what she did in the movie. She told more about the odds of the hands and the players and things like that. And I just liked the movie better. I agree. I like the movie better. Aaron Sorkin directed it, and I watch anything he does. So He's good. What else has he directed that I would know? West Wing, The Newsroom. Okay. okay. Anything Daniel's ever wanted you to watch? Gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> social Network. He wrote Social Network. Also, in, in the movie, Kevin Costner plays her dad, and they have this beautiful heart-to-heart moment. And that does not happen in the book. She barely mentions her dad as a domineering, overbearing type. Um, And he's never mentioned again after her ski career. That's interesting. I wonder why Hollywood would make her out to be a better person when they love, like, when they love kind of doing the opposite. Maybe she sold the rights to him and she said, this has to be this way. That's not how it works. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Or, if you knew anything about Aaron Sorkin's work, you would understand that's how he does his stuff. He likes to shine a specific light on something, and he likes to elaborate it. Most of his stuff will leave you with a very good feeling. Yeah, and that's what the movie did. Like, overall, she got into, in the book, it doesn't touch about it at all, but in the movie, they talk, she got into drugs and alcohol, and she came back, and she overcame, and she beat the odds, and she stuck to her guns and didn't give up any of her sources. She ended up pleading guilty instead of giving up her players. And Mm. it made me feel like, yeah, that's a cool, that's a good person. But I didn't get that same kind of vibe from the book. Gotcha. Which was interesting. The book was referenced in the movie. So she wrote it a a while before, like, the trial was getting started and stuff. Huh. So, yeah. It was very interesting, though. Okay, so the next uh, book to movie I'll talk about is one that I have mentioned several times, so I won't um, I won't talk about it too long. But The Martian by Andy Weir is magnificent. It's so good. 
so good. So I have been preaching at Chris to watch this movie for forever. I kept telling him it's amazing. You're going to love it. It's so awesome. It's one of the only books I've ever read where at the very, like, the highest point, the climax of the book, like, I literally stood up and was like, it's one that would i have it on my shelf and i haven't read it yet but it's one that would get you from the very first line being so spectacular yes the first line is one of the greatest first lines of all time Mm -hmm. it drops an f-bomb i mean but it is pretty cool audience wants to know what the first line is (laughs) well they can pick up a copy of the marson by andy weir Um, I will say, though, so if you haven't heard me speak about it before, so The Martian is about an astronaut when that is on a mission to Mars. They are on Mars, and when a freak storm happens, he is knocked out, and when that knocks off his vitals in his suit, they assume that he has been killed in the storm. They in an emergency, leave the planet because their rocket ship is about to be pushed over by the storm and they leave him on Mars by himself and he has to survive. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely insane that a book could make chemistry and then botany so interesting. Really? Like, he explains how he creates water so that he can grow potatoes He explains kind of how he makes things work on a day-to-day basis and all of that. Like, it's just so cool. And this guy's also not a writer, per se, either. No. He was just, like, uh, my friend Bob, Mm -hmm. he actually, uh, in order to get me to watch the movie and try to get me into it, um, he also mentioned, like, some of the stuff leading up to it, and... NASA, I think it was NASA astronauts or maybe NASA, NASA scientists saying, actually, this is how we would make the water. This is how we would try to colonize or make crops on Mars. Yeah. And like, so he actually went back and re-edited added that to his novel. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah. Yeah. He actually published that book chapter by chapter on Wattpad. And that's how astronauts found his story and kind of updated him and then he was reached out by a publicist and got the book published. That's so cool. And, I know. And that was another one that was a fairly quick turnaround, right? Like uh, the it was published and the movie came out, what, maybe two years? Not even that? that yeah. yeah. It was one of those that, like, it was kind of the book of the year if you were a sci-fi nerd. It mm-hmm. was like, it's literally, what's the Tom Hanks movie? Castaway. Yeah, it's literally Castaway on Mars. And I was like, so. And I'm sorry. Uh, Tom Hanks had it easy on the island compared to what uh, Matt Damon went through on Mars. Okay. This is true. Matt Damon like, had a rough go of it. I yeah. I have watched that movie and I really, really liked it. Yeah. It is the most stressful reading experience of my entire life. Really? Like, just like, okay, so he's on one, he's in one location on Mars. He has to travel for 52 days to get to another location so that he can be picked up to leave. And like, he has to travel carrying all this crap to make sure that all of he can breathe. He is warm enough. He has water, like all of this stuff. And, and then him being launched off the planet is just like my, my blood pressure was like sky high. 
It was terrifying. Oh, yeah. and, then watched... and then the Iron Man moment. Yes. Was, was... He talks about wanting to be like Iron Man and like propelling himself to the shuttle is so funny. And like we watched it just today. And he, you know, the, the biggest point of the movie. And I'm bawling, even though I have both seen it, read it twice. Like, don't <laughs> even care. It's so good. I'm so happy for him. Like, it was so That's so good. funny. And I was the character. Interesting. Yeah. Because, like, on paper, you'd be like, man, an astronaut botanist, he would have to be a very dull person. Yeah. But he's, like, a smartass. He's funny. Like, it's just, they, they did the character really well, well to keep the audience interested in it. Yeah. Susie has said the sass is on point uh, in the book. So it, is, it is great. It's so good. And what was really cool, I've never done this before, but I was feeling especially nerdy today. And so, I actually, when we were watching it, I grabbed the book. And on Mars, it's not days, it's souls. And so the book is actually part of his di- diary of while he's on there. And so whenever it said, like, soul 24, I could find it in the book and, like, follow word for word sometimes oh, cool. what was being said. And it was super cool. And then sometimes... That is they- super nerdy. I know, right? But then sometimes they would skip over something. I'm like, hey, Chris, do you want to know what happens in the book? And I <laughs> Even though he didn't care. <laughs> no, I can't imagine that <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> but uh, some of it was actually really great. Like, in the conference room, when they very first was trying to uh, decide if we're going to go after... Uh, go after... Um, Mark. Ma- Mark. Mark. Was going to go after Mark or whatever. You know, the director of NASA was very hesitant at first and he was just very logical and thinking in terms of how much this is going to cost and things like that but it's it's a human being abba's music was that in the book it was yep. he constantly makes fun of the fact that she has 70s disco yeah. the, the first thing he said to her when when he uh i get when she rescued him was you have horrible taste in music that was yeah. the first thing he said to her. <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey uh dancing queen's one of my favorite songs so. i know i've been on a road trip with you am i eclectic enough <laughs> daniel's music taste is so eclectic it's all over the place he, he covers everything yeah i will say a guy at work knows that i run the podcast and he's like so if you could just give me one book recommendation and i was like no I really need more information and you to narrow it down for this to be like a tailored response. But if I can literally only pick one thing, go with the Martian. Oh, look at you. Very nice. Hopefully he reads it. It's so good, but it's so stressful, but it's so good. I will say in the book, it literally ends when he is rescued. Mm -hmm. Like he gets onto the ship and he's like i'm sitting here waiting for the pain medication to kick in so i can actually get up and take a shower but these are my thoughts on being rescued in something something and you don't really know what happens to him after that right but in the movie it does go a little bit further which i did like normally i don't like the changes but with the movie i did like that it kind of shows that he becomes a teacher and it's ever you see all the different people that were on the crew that rescued him and all that stuff and it was really cool that's cool so for everybody listening out there, both the lovely ladies, Susie and Tavia, are agreeing with me what I've been saying my entire life. Movies are better than books. I don't know if she I, thinks that about this book. I, I nope, didn't, nope, 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 you just I said didn't say that. Nope, nah. I didn't say it. I agree with that. 
I said the, ah. two, the two books that I have read for this specific episode were not as good as their movie counterparts, but that is the minority. That does not happen often. So that brings us to our next one, and this is one that finally both Tavia and I have read and seen. Yes. And Ready Player One! Yes, and this is where... They said, that's a super fun idea. Let's change everything about it. Yes, literally, we'll keep the character names and the ending. But that's all. Everything about the book and the movie are different. Like, 100%. It's not that the movie is bad. No, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's good on its own. Like, guys, did you... I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought the movie was awesome. Oh, I loved the movie. It was amazing. I do have a question for you, Daniel. A lot of people have said that the book slash movie is way too much in your face 80s like it's not like it's not like the reverent like oh i love the 80s it's like let's have the 80s throw up on you i think it depends on what age group you're talking about for that so i'm listeners i am 41 so i remember (laughs) the 80s uh the rest of these three do not remember the 80s they remember (laughs) the 80s i was there Mm -hmm. i was barely born yeah, I was barely, barely born. born. I'm way younger than she is. That is a damn lie. <laughs> but it does have a lot of the reference, and it did throw it at you. And I ended up watching it. I watched it three times because the first time I enjoyed it, and then I wanted to go back and miss all the or pick up all the stuff I missed. All the Easter eggs, yeah. So many. So. I I loved that about the book and I wish they had kept the original references from the book in the movie. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember, it's been a minute since I read it, but in the book, doesn't he reference a lot of Spielberg in the book? Is that right? Yes. Yes, he does. He does a lot of Spielberg. And isn't Spielberg the one that made the Mm -hmm. movie? Yes. Yes. I wonder if he was like, thank you. I'll make your book. Thank you for that. <laughs> but then he changes literally everything. Like he he, he said in an article that he wanted to keep the feel of the movie, but make the references different. And I just don't understand why you would say, I want to make your book into a movie if you don't actually want to make your book into a movie. No, I get it. It's annoying. But like I am glad that the still like the sense of the book, the book, the book, flower. <laughs> so the sense of the book translated really well but I don't understand like you said I don't understand why it had to be so different like I literally sat there and I was like I don't I don't know I don't what I don't what? recognize any of this like I know his name I was so poised to, to and, and I had to say it so many times that was not in the book that was not in the book I know like, I receive it a lot. Nothing is the same. It's yeah. Steven freaking Spielberg. He can do what he wants. But Steven freaking Spielberg did Jurassic Park, and it was fantastic. So okay. I want to know what happened with him from 91 <laughs> to, to 2017, I think, when it came out. Money. He Money, thought, I can kids, do whatever I want. I'm so much <laughs> richer now. I can literally do whatever I want. Ugh. It's I mean, don't don't get me wrong. And we said this. I think it was one of our very first episodes. It was a great movie. As yeah. a standalone movie, it was really good. As an adaptation, you can't even Garbage. consider it. Yeah, like it, it doesn't even qualify. 
absolutely. Like, it's not even an adaptation. It's it's more like, I, I like the name. And I like that we're in the future. But that's all. It's like you took a house and you're like, I'm going to remodel the house. But you actually completely gut it and take out literally everything except the shell around it. That's what I thought of the movie. And that's remodeling. No, that's starting over almost. But here's the thing. A director is going to take whatever he's reading and he is going to make it his own. That's that's what you do in your head when you read a book. You read the book and in your head you have this whole thing pictured out and done. He took it pictured it out and then just went different directions with scenes. I mean, you just don't, don't be an adaptation then be something else. Be like, it's like, you can't say that this movie was based on this book. You can say that that movie enjoyed the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read this book and enjoyed it and then made my and own. Then I, and then I wrote fan fiction. Yes. That's what it is. It's fan fiction. We Thank figured you. Out. It's fan fiction by Stephen freaking Spielberg. It does lead us to segue into our final book slash movie we're going to talk about that. Which is so weird in the movie. (laughs) Yes, it's definitely not in the book. Like, it's so random in the movie that they they have to go into The Shining and it's like this random scary scene in the middle of this sci-fi movie. Yeah. Yeah. Again, not in the book. But... We are going to segue into The Shining now. Which is one of Daniel's favorites. And I have actually seen this movie. I believe I lost some sort of bet or something. I believe you did. I'm I'm sure you did. So I have read it, but I have never seen it. Because I'm a big old chicken. (sighs) I don't recommend it. And I also don't recommend ever watching anything by Stanley Kubrick ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Stanley Kubrick is also a national treasure and let's not be speaking. He did the music in it on purpose. <laughs> I get that. But I, to this day, will never get over the music in this movie. It makes me so anxious and like, I, I, I can't even explain it. It made me so uncomfortable. Just it, the music. It made the movie. It was amazing. So... The Shining. I don't know about the book. Susie read it. There are two Shinings. Stanley Kubrick did this one his own way. From what I understand, it varies from the the book. They made a second one, a, a standalone. It was made for TV that Stephen King actually liked and did a cameo in it and said this is what it was more to the essence of his movie he well, didn't like the kubrick version he of was it. very vocal he was very vocal about it very vocal about not liking the the um jack nicholson stanley kubrick version of it he said it it went so far away from the book i would agree though it was even to the point that kubrick owned the rights to the shining to be made and when they wanted to make the tv movie um the only way he would agree to it is if stephen king stopped saying he didn't like Stanley Kubrick's version. (laughs) How funny. Mm -hmm. So the book, I was absolutely terrified to read. Also, it's massive, right? It is gigantic. And I have thoughts about that as well. But I um, was in a book club with a jerk, and they made me read it. And so I literally only read it when it was light outside with all the lights on. And sometimes outside. Did you put it in the freezer? 
I didn't, but I wanted to. <laughs> but it wasn't near as terrifying as I expected it to be, mostly because Stephen King went on so many tangents that I got, I was just like, okay, can we hurry back up? Like, can we get, can we get back to the creepy bathroom lady? Like, can we just hurry this along? Like, I got really annoyed with it. Because it was so loquacious? So much. There was no blood in the hallway. The twins are briefly mentioned, but it's not like a scary entity. It's more like, oh, the previous caretaker had twins and they've never been seen again. Like, that was... Huh. That was they were killed with an axe in the movie. Also, there's not a maze in the book, is there? There is a maze, and oh. that's very scary. The the hedge animals like come to life and start stalking the kid. Hmm. They and didn't that- do that. They didn't do that in Kubrick's because they he said it was the budgetary restraints on it. They also the um, kid that played Danny didn't realize he was filming a scary movie. Yeah, they told him it was a drama. It wasn't until he was 17 that he saw the movie. <gasps> Um, wow. I, I also heard that um, the woman that played his wife, he made her, the director made her life hell in yeah. order to make her. Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, yeah. He, he said nobody could sit around her. Nobody could be nice to her. Kubrick was mean to her, and he was about the only one that was allowed to talk to her. Just to make sure that she played that part well, which yeah. is disgusting. Mm-hmm. But and she played that part like a boss. And he also made... She was about to lose her mind. Right? He also made um, Jack Nicholson listen to the music he was going to play in the movie. That's how off-putting it is. Ugh. Yeah. To get him all riled up and like... Yeah. He uh, also... Jack Nicholson hates, I guess, cheese or cheese sandwich or something. For two weeks straight, that's all he'd let him eat to build up his agitation and irritation. I don't think he was wow. ever the same after that movie. Daniel told me this morning that there were alternative castings for the movie that were considered. I'm going to let him tell you about it because I was shooketh. <laughs> shooketh. The first one was Robert De Niro. Oh, that's weird. But they didn't think he could play a psychopath well enough. Which is hysterical. Uh, another one was Harrison Ford. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, he wouldn't have made a good one. And the best one was Robin Williams. No! Oh, wow. Right? Robin Williams? But see, but he, Robin Williams has range, though. I was going to say, he has he range. Has range. Um, I don't know if y'all know, but Robin Williams has played a psychopath in a couple in of minutes. That, I mean, I just... Yeah. Uh, one hour photo? One hour, please. Yes. Or one hour photo. That's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. He played like a serial killer. I've never seen any of these. Also in Insomnia. Insomnia was amazing. I forgot no. about that one. Yeah. I've not seen Robin, that one. Robin Williams had range, man. No, he was, he was a good fantastic. actor. At that time, he had only done Mork and Mindy, though. That's I love that. Nuts. Yeah, I was like I shocked. Even, I don't even understand how he was even considered after Mork and Mindy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I used to watch Mork and Mindy on Nick at Night all the time. I loved it. <laughs> I watched I've, it. it was out, I've so. only seen clips of Mork and Mindy. I've never seen it actually on TV. Never. It used to play on Nick at Night when I was younger, and I would watch it, and I would watch it with my mom. Nano, nano. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Shining. I thought the book was fine. I kept waiting for like these terrifying moments that I knew was in the movie, and like the only terrifying moment that. Tr- translated was the lady in the bathtub that was 
the only thing that I knew of. There was no here's Johnny. No. no. Was, because he made that up. Yeah, that was ad oh. by him, right? Yeah, oh. I kept based on Johnny Carson. Too. It was so weird. You probably also hyped yourself up so much about the book that it so, could so, never have been as scary as you thought it was going to be. So scared. Like, I cannot even begin to tell you. Like, I was like I was scared to pick it up. I was scared to open it. Was like, the book haunted itself? Yes. It, it. The book came to life. It was terrifying. That's but the actual story, not so bad. You can actually visit the Stanley Hotel... Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. In I'm Colorado or something, I think, in Denver. It's in Colorado. Yeah. It's where the remake was filmed. The original was not filmed in Colorado. Weird. The, the exteriors were filmed in Mount Hood in Oregon, and all the interiors were filmed in the UK. That's weird. Mm-hmm. If you ever watch the movie, and not that you will, unless you lose a bit, the space... Like, if you follow people around and see room to room, it doesn't make any sense. The layout of the, the hotel? The layout of the hotel doesn't make sense. Especially to the outside of it. But even on the inside, the room to room doesn't make any sense. Mm. Is that by design, or is that because they shot it at a different location? I think it's because they built the sets, but, I mean, it may have been by design. I mean, a lot of TV series, stuff like that, you have the same kind of issue. Mm-hmm. Question in the movie, is there like random flashbacks in a ballroom where people like in the 20s and 30s are partying? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Real strange and out of nowhere in the book. Um, it starts when Jack starts to descend into his madness. Um, he's a recovering alcoholic. Right. So when he takes this job and it's a six month stint and only him and his family are going to be in this hotel, they tell him there's no booze here. It's part of our insurance and he's like it's fine neither one of us drink anyway so when he starts to lose it he goes into this ballroom where the bar is and he sits down and all of a sudden it's full of alcohol and there's a bartender weird and then people start to appear after that Hmm. yeah the whole thing was real weird I highly recommend the movie to anyone that's listening the movie that Stephen King didn't like Stephen King was a bit of an oddity, though. I mean, he was... Not what? He still is. He wrote million-page books. I mean... He, uh... That was never going to translate accurately. (laughs) You know, the only movie he directed of his own, I believe, was Maximum Overdrive. And he admitted in in an interview that he was so coked out of his mind, he doesn't remember it. He doesn't remember writing uh, Cujo at all. I did read an anecdote, and I think maybe you and I were talking about it, or maybe I read this somewhere, you told me about it, that his first novel he thought was garbage, and he threw it away, and then his wife picked it up out of the trash can and read it, and she's like, no, this is actually good, you should, you should do this, but he had thrown it away. That was Carrie, and the reason he felt like it was garbage was just because he simply didn't understand what goes on in a teenage girl's head. And so his mm-hmm. wife kind of helped him with it. But yeah, he got $100,000 advance for Carrie back in, I don't even know, 70s, 80s? Like, shitload of money. You were then. telling me about that because you read his biography. That's right. Yes. His on writing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. She meant the book that she recommends is the 
Stephen King's on writing. Oh, my bad. I'm recommending Carrie because it's a horror classic. (laughs) (laughs) Another one that I have not read, nor have I seen. I have actually seen that one of my own volition. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just surprised that he threw it away. He thought that that was was trash. And his wife went behind him and picked it up. And, like, what if she hadn't, you know? Right. It's just kind of crazy. Well, thanks for listening to us just ramble about books and movies, guys. Yes, this is kind of like what our life is like when we get together. <laughs> for real, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, boys, thank you so much for coming on our, our little show. Yes, I'm glad that you guys finally got to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, yeah. I'm excited about it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are back to our regular scheduled programming next week. Oh, so all my fans that I just made this week are going to be upset next week because I won't be there. It's so sad. <laughs> but yes, next week is Buddy Read Week, and it is my pick, and we're doing the 100-foot journey if you guys want to read and listen along. I believe that's a movie. I'd like to watch that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do a follow-up episode to this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure more books will be turned into more movies. Some of them problematic, and we will be happy to discuss. We totally need to do a a superhero episode. My gosh. I don't want to read comic books. Well, I know, but then we can argue the whole Thanos theory that Daniel has. I don't want to argue Thanos. Guys, we have to stop before we get into his Thanos theory. We're going to run out of time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanos was right. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) We will talk to you next time. Bye.